In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. A former colleague of mine pointed out that due to the tilt of the earth on its axis, and the placement we are in our orbit around the sun, at least in the northern hemisphere, the days are the shortest they will ever be in the whole year. And likewise, at this time of year, the nights are the longest they will be. This week, the last week of Advent, then, is the darkest week of the year, until after Christmas, the days begin to get longer and longer as the night, or as the light of day starts to push out the darkness of night. There is a theological significance to this. Jesus is the light of the world, and his advent marks the time when, in the words of St. John the Evangelist, quote, and the, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The evangelist goes on, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. And from today's gospel, the evangelist quotes St. John the Baptist saying, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. The Baptist is referring to a prophecy from Isaiah 40 about the coming of the Messiah. The word Advent comes from the Latin for to come. The coming of Christ to save Israel is the essence of the first Advent. St. John the Baptist is proclaiming the wait for the Messiah is finally over. Ancient Israel was a special people. Israel was a nation chosen by God to bring salvation to the world. The process was to work something like this. God gives this people a land to call their own, a place where they can worship God in peace. Israel centered their lives on God through right worship of him. From the center would flow the ability to follow the commandments, which were to love God and then to love one's neighbor. Showing love for one's neighbor, especially the poor and vulnerable of society, was very uncommon among the other nations in the area. The community created by Israel was to be compelling to the other nations and was to lead others into the right worship of God. But of course, Israel lost her way, and instead of making God the center, she fell into idolatry. Israel became a cruel nation. God says in Isaiah, What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor? Israel becomes a nation that calls evil things good and good things evil. Israel is compared to Sodom in that she is not ashamed of the evil, but openly declares her wickedness. The prophet Isaiah lived in Israel during this time. He describes the social climate as one of anxiety instead of peace, oppression instead of justice, and, quote, instead of righteousness, there is a cry for help. God's plan for all the nations to be gathered unto him through peace will not be foiled by Israel's idolatry. God will not abandon the vulnerable, and he will answer their cry for help. In Isaiah 40, Isaiah prophesies that the Lord will come and all people will see the glory of the Lord. His coming, his advent, 
will be preceded by the voice of one crying in the wilderness to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It is not an understatement to say that the coming of the Messiah became Israel's greatest hope. The Psalms and the prophets are permeated with this longing for God to send his Messiah to restore peace. From Jeremiah 33, In those days and at that time I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. From the 80th Psalm, Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted. And from Isaiah 25, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. What much of Israel's leadership didn't realize was that for this peace to come, it must have a path to follow. The nation needed to be prepared to receive the Messiah. John gave the nation the ability to see their own failings and to repent, to confess them, and to be willing to change their ways. The Baptist pointed out that Israel was still a cruel nation. The poor, the vulnerable, those on the margins, the fatherless, and the widows were still being oppressed by the Jewish leadership. The peace of God has finally come to his people at the birth of the Messiah. These ancient prophecies, the ancient hope of Israel is now finally fulfilled. The only possible response to this is to repent and accept this peace, or else don't and receive judgment. Repentance brings with it healing, because when we repent of our sins, we acknowledge where we have fallen and we have a willingness to change. When we repent, we make a way for the Lord to enter into us and give us the grace to actually change. The Lord also brings with him, when he comes into us, his peace. Our repentance literally creates a path the Lord can use to touch our souls. There are also other avenues to help keep this path open. Today's epistle is clear that prayer is a path that God uses to bring his peace. Quote, But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Our dedication to a consistent and habitual life of prayer focuses our soul's attention on God habitually and consistently keeping that path for the Holy Spirit to come to us. These comings of God into our lives are a sort of present advent. Every Sunday through the Eucharist, our community has a weekly advent where Jesus comes to us at the altar. When we gather here as a church and as a community, we repent and confess our sins. We are then given the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And he comes to us in this weekly advent. What he brings is grace to help us change our lives. And he also brings his peace as he feeds our body and soul 
with his body and Holy Spirit. The coming of the Lord in the Eucharist is what centers our community on the right worship of God. We are his people, and he is our God. When we receive the sacrament, and when we dedicate ourselves to a life of prayer, and when we repent and make a good confession, we are making straight a path for the Lord to come to us. This transforms our community into one that is characterized by love of neighbor. We are known to others by the way we treat each other. Our community, the church, becomes what ancient Israel was unable to be. We are that compelling nation, filled with peace and health, to heal those who have been made broken by this world. For many centuries, society was shaped by the church. The values and virtues of the society were in many cases the same as the values and virtues of the church. The result was that there was not much difference between how a member of the body of Christ would act and how a general member of society would act. This is likely because, just like ancient Israel, For many centuries, society was primarily concerned with right worship of God. And from that right worship flowed a right practice of the faith. But just like ancient Israel, we see that society we live in, by and large, no longer is focused on the right worship of God, but has instead produced for itself idols. One of these idols is our dependence on the news or social media, which concentrates our attention on the negative things of this world and perpetuates an idea that we can attain some utopian future or that we can in some way bring back the world of the past if we could only win the argument or get the right person elected or consume the correct news. We are trying to remake the world in our own image and all it is doing is causing chaos and anxiety. The world we live in cannot ultimately provide for us any comfort or peace. If we go out looking for comfort and peace from the world, we will only ultimately find anxiety. This is not to say that God's creation is bad. On the contrary, the creation is very good. But it is to say that we find ultimate peace with God and not from his creation. This is also not to say that... Excuse me, it is not up to us to change the world or to make it into our own image or to make it into the image we think God wants. This is not to say that we do not stand up for things we know are true and good, but it does mean that when we do make a stand, we expect God to be the agent of change in the world and not ourselves. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we are only able to effectively love someone else if we also receive that love from God first. We cannot give that which we do not already have. This is why centering ourselves on right worship of God is so important. Receiving the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, repenting and confessing when we are wrong or make a mistake, continuing in our prayer, persevering in the faith. These are the ways we receive God's love, These are the means by which we are able to pass love to others. If ancient Israel's hope was the coming of the Messiah in the first advent, the church's hope is the resurrection of the dead 
and the life of the world to come when Jesus returns in his second advent. Our response to the frustrations we see in this world is to, along with all the saints, pray for God to bring his justice. We have as a church been reading through Revelation. In Revelation, there are many examples where we see the saints pray for God's justice. God hears their prayers and acts on it. God will come again at the end of this second advent, and he will bring judgment to the earth. If the Gospels are clear that repentance brings healing, Revelation is also clear that judgment brings healing. The healing of God's people comes from God's justice. From the final of chapters of Revelation comes an image of what we look forward to in the second advent of the Lord. This is the image of our ultimate hope. Quote, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.